one thing before we start. Yes. Ben, you've watched the film Venom several times. Oh, yes. Is that bit where Riot says Venom getting the rocket supposed to be an Evangelion-like thing or reference? Or is it just lines up somehow? I think it lines up. He very specifically is like, Venom, get in the rocket. I'm going to say it just lines up wonderfully. If it had been in Venom 2, I would have said it, it's an intentional reference. Right. Yeah. Because, like, everything in Venom 1 is just, like, accidental lightning. And then Venom 2 is just Tom Hardy being like, everyone let me cook. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards that no one agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the requel, or is it legacy sequel? Like a sequel? To the movie about scary movies, it's Scream. Or is it Scream 5? Why would they just call it Scream like it's the original? Come on, you guys. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Boy, did this franchise luck the fuck out by casting a pre-Wednesday Jenna Ortega. So the Scream franchise is amazing with like predictive casting of people that are going to be stars for like 20 years we also got a pre-yellow jackets uh jasmine savoy brown yeah was that pre-yellow jackets yes by a few months because this movie came out in january and yellow jackets started in november and you got mason gooding who if he's not cast as mcu cyclops fucking should be yeah we also got a just post in the heights melissa barrera and this cinema role of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I feel two things. Two distinct things. One, old. Two, personally attacked. Like, the second that they brought up elevated horror, I'm like, there was, like, two eyeballs on the screen, and they were staring right at me. I am both being attacked by the elevated horror and the fact that, like, all of the teenagers, quote-unquote, from Scream, the first Scream are now like parents. Yep. And our guest, librarian, Batman podcaster, and our own personal Scream monarch, TJ Fantasy. TJ, how are you today? Hello. I'm good. I am so glad to be here to talk about Scream 5, or I'm going to offer up 5 Cream as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, 4 was the A in, in Scream 4. So 5 Cream. Uh, this is directed by Matt Bertinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette, and is written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, based on the characters, some of the characters, a lot of the characters by Kevin Williamson. It stars, in no particular order, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Jack Quaid, Mikey Madison, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Sonia Mar, Marley Shelton, Skeet Ulrich, Heather Montazaro, Adam Brody. Jamie Kennedy, Drew Barrymore, and Matthew Lillard. That's a stretch. Would you say they're starring? Matthew Lillard was nowhere to... I did not see his face once. Okay, so some of those later ones are voices that were added into the Four West Cheers segment, uh, where they got a whole bunch of past actors to come to like add voices to the crowd cheering Four West because... This is the first Scream movie after the passing of Wes Craven. Yeah. Right. 
Matthew Lillard specifically is a voice that, as she passes by, tells Mikey Madison's character, hey, nice house. This is, of course, Matthew Lillard's <laughs> character's house. Matthew yes. Lillard also physically cameos as the flamethrower-wielding ghost face in Stab 8. No way! A, mo- a movie I just flat-out want them to release. Yes, because it's <laughs> they're like, oh, it's directed by the Knives Out guy. It was like, so... Ryan Johnson made a scream last Jedi. Um, yes. <laughs> and it's great. Ghostface has a metal mask and wields a flamethrower. And my prediction for the actual plot of Scream 8 is that as reviled as it is in the franchise now, you will get this next generation by Scream 8 who's like, Stab 8 is actually this unappreciated classic and I'm going <laughs> to revive its like reputation in the franchise by making it real. That That would be great. That would be like how people are like, the prequels are good. And I'm like, I enjoy memes too, but you cannot fucking convince yeah. me that Phantom Menace is actually a good movie. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it being good is different from you liking it. Like that's, and I understand that there's a lot of things that I like. I love, in fact, that are not objectively quality in terms of the craft, you know, um, yeah, right. I, I rewatched all the prequels with my daughters recently, and the one thing I will say is Attack of the Clones was better than I thought it was, but that was like dirt bottom of the list for me in the first place. <laughs> and I think this just really rewatching it and just flipped Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace on the bottom because as great as the music in Phantom Menace is and the one fight scene in Phantom Menace is, it does not make up for the rest of the armies and armies of cgi robots against a flat green screen i will anyway. say one of the greatest storytelling decisions i've ever seen was being like what if our villainous force was an army of killer robots but what if those robots were both cowardly and dumb and cute yeah they're cowardly i wanted dumb, to mention uh drew barrymore also voices the principal over the announcement when oh, they're so like, oh, cool. you have to That's go home fun. early. Yeah. I did not and if know we're that. gonna if we're gonna include all these people, you have to mention my girl Hayden Panettiere, who also voice cameoed and has an image on the YouTube page, like Easter oh. egg. So oh wow, there's a lot of eggs in this yeah. basket. She's alive. Yes. It says Good. Kirby Reed, survivor of Woodsboro attacks on the That's YouTube. So so this movie being, you know, very explicitly, you know, meta and textually about passing a torch down it is also very much behind the scenes as a new kind of brain trust uh takes over as a new generation for the scream franchise in the wake of Wes craven's passing yeah and i I will say when we saw four i think you mentioned this but like my prediction for what the like ending and twist was of four ended up being what actually happens in five um yeah because when i was watching it i was like hey wouldn't it be great if it was actually all these kids that are like fucking jazzed about stab movies that were the ones like setting up all of this to get okay. you know, the old generation? I'm so glad you brought that up because when you were like theorizing that in like our Scream 4 episode, it was taking all of my willpower to just fucking stay like stone face <laughs> and like and not reveal that like that's the next movie. Is that why your camera went off for a minute? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I was, I was break, I was breaking. Like I could feel my face breaking. I'm like, just switch it off. Just fucking switch. Don't give any clues. Um, so two, two things. 
real quick. Apropos of five cream, which is <laughs> one of the worst things to say right now. I just can't. That was it originally like a very different movie? I'm not oh. saying I would also enjoy it. Was it originally advertised with the number five as the S? <laughs> no. So, so you know, number four had the four as the A. And like right. for years and years and years, it was kind of like, oh, well, if they make another, it has to be Scream 5. And, you know, like the joke was, oh, they could make the S the five. Yeah. And then when they finally announced it, people were like, oh, are they going to do it? Five creams like on the Internet. It was kind of like a jokey thing. But then the cast and crew kind of got in on it and they made shirts for everyone behind the scenes that said five cream. That's amazing. Like a, yeah. So that's so that unofficially it's five cream. And Savoy Brown calls it that too all the time. Good. Good. Of, Good. of course Bless she her does. Heart. She, Bless wonderful. her angel heart. Before uh, they release it, I was very much being like, oh, why are they doing that thing where it's just, where they get rid of the number and they just give it the original title? And then every single complaint I had about it was literally just spat back in my face during the movie. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I'm like, ah, Scream, you meta wonderfulness. I do love how up its own ass these movies are. Like, you know, it's winking at me and I'm like, okay, you know, well played. But the other thing that I'm kind of sad about is that the killer in this movie was not Matthew Lillard. And it was very, very well. I mean, it was it was reasonably telegraphed because obviously the ghost face in this movie is a hacker hey. or, or and at least a serial on, killer or at least is on subreddits, which I'm is just close saying, enough to being a hacker. I'm just saying the character serial killer from Hackers and the character Stu. Do we ever see them in the same room? It's true. They're the same person. I will say, I literally thought it was Stu <laughs> watching this in the theater <laughs> the first time. You know, like, where are they taking well, it? And, like, they start out with the quizzing at the beginning with Jenna Ortega. And, like, she says, oh, it was Billy. And he's like, no, it also was Stu. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be Stu. He's going to be pissed that he's been, like, neglected. And Billy got all the fame. Or maybe it's, like, a relative. But no, I was entirely wrong. What do we this think about what... Spectral Billy? <clears throat> I love it. Are you kidding? I fucking love Ghost Billy. Are you kidding me? Old Skeet cosplaying as young Skeet? Hell yes. He did a great job. I don't know if they like CGI'd his face or whatever, because he was looking real good. Like, I know he, he wasn't absolutely like a spit image of himself back in the day, but I felt like it was very mm -hmm. effective. I think if they had tried to actually give him like, the physical proportions of like 21 year old Skeet Ulrich. You would have gotten more Uncanny Valley. Also, if you have him, I think like looking exactly like how he looked in Scream, you have a bit of Ocker like, hi, it's like, hi, Sam, it's me, your ghost dad, looking uh, visibly looking a decade younger than you. <laughs> so just like psychologically, I think like. Yeah, I think yeah. that, yeah, that is definitely, that tracks better. It worked for me, but I want to give credit great. to like, oh yeah, he, he looks, looks great. great. Yeah. In like Scream 3, they've really played with Sydney seeing things and it felt out of place then for me. But I think maybe that laid down the foundation for this to be a little bit easier to swallow because yeah. the franchise had already done something like that before. And just the fact that it's Skeet Ulrich and we're getting it back. So like, I'll accept it. I think Fire yeah, Cream was much easier to swallow. I thought it was just like yeah. very, I just thought it was like, yes, Skeet's back. I'm in, like, right. whatever. Right. If this is how I can get him back, it is, I'll take it. I yeah, kind of would have liked a bit more of it because I yeah. feel like we mm. lost it in the middle of the movie. And then, like, he came back towards the end. And I was like, oh, that's right. That's a thing. 
Um, there were yeah. a lot of things in this movie yeah. that were kind of like, we could have cut this, you guys. I'm, gonna... need, I'm not sure it needed to be two hours. I yeah. feel like this could have been like hour 48. The whole like five different fake outs with Wes in the house. I ah, that's my little... favorite part. I, I, I love the fake outs. I, you know, like if it was three, I would have been like, okay, if it, but it was like eight or something. It was a ridiculous number. Maybe it was just three, but it felt it, like eight. It made me hungry for sushi, that scene. I mean, me too. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're really, we, we know exactly what kind of plates he has and what chopstick he has. And I don't know if this is pr- plot relevant. Like, it, yeah. I mean, so, it's a good thing he died because it would be horrible to like, be him and survive and realize that you were sitting in there like setting out all your sushi stuff while your mother was being murdered on the lawn. Yeah. I think it's a good thing he died because anyone who dyes their hair blonde like that probably like just doesn't need to be alive. Uh, yeah, he was a few decades right out. That from hairstyle was insane. But they say that everybody's that hair is died super nice job. in the Holy original Korean movie while that guy's standing there. Um, I know, right? Everyone's hair was weird. Fucking 13 reasons. What the fuck? Listen, they they can do it like the kids, kids, kids these days. Now that this movie is calling me out for being fucking 40 and what, being the like, most relatable moment of this movie was Jack Wade going, hi, Gen Z. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that was the thing, too, is I'm like, what gen is he then? What? I would, I thought he, he death millennial. OK, because I that makes me OK. Jack Wade is younger than I am. He's definitely a millennial. OK, I thought I was a millennial. Like people call me millennial. And I'm definitely, and I'm like, bitch, I'm Generation Y. And I will, I will, unless you want to call me an Evangelion millennial, which is apparently a thing, or a DuckTales generation. That's another good one. Everyone's like, oh, you're a millennial, blah, 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 blah. He, the, I don't know. This movie kind of broke me in a way. And <laughs> this is probably one of the most engaging screen movies that I've watched. Mm. It hasn't been like, well, I really liked, which was the movie one where they were actually on the movie set with um, Parker Posey? Three. That was three. three. Yeah. Okay. I really liked three for like ironic reasons. And this movie was, this movie felt like it was made with love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the fact that they shoot several of the scenes that they, they put the whole finale in the Stumacher house. They open with them like on the bench together, like chatting in the same yeah. kind of setup that we see the original crew in the first scream. There's a lot of mirroring. Yeah, good. It's literally a remake. I love that. One thing that is very clear between five and six is that these are not people who got a hold of an IP and are now just trying to like wring money out of it shamelessly. Like they are taking this, like their reigns of this franchise very seriously. And they have really approached through both movies just this franchise with a lot of love and respect. Also, yeah. apparently Woodsboro is back on the on the West Coast now, and apparently now it's canonically. Woods, Woodsboro is two towns over from Springfield in The Simpsons. Yeah, but now it's like <laughs> bigger, and Dewey would never be the sheriff of Santa Rosa. Sheriff of Healdsburg, maybe. Sheriff of Cloverdale, maybe. But the one thing that I noticed, not just like the fact that it was driving distance from Modesto, which like them basing anything in this movie off of Modesto, California. I, was I like, laughed just at the mere mention of Modesto. I'm like, well, OK, like what else? What now? Bakersfield? But- Somewhat either a producer or a writer is from Modesto. I oh, guarantee yeah. it. So just to give you an idea of, about, about Modesto, 
It's in the Central Valley, south of Sacramento. It's like, it's in the no man's land area of the Sacramento County trifecta there. And uh, it's just like that picture of the bowling alley that they have. It's all like that. Like, it's just, it's that. Yeah, Modesto is the most, like, it's the town that feels most like it sounds. Of any yeah, uh, modest. Modesto. Yeah, but normally. Modesto. It's not Fresno, watch... though. Fresno's just a trash fire. Oh, yeah. Normally, when I watch these movies, I definitely try to, like, put on a bit of a detective hat and to really try to, like, you know, put clues together, try to guess motivations, try to figure out who could be the killer. I kind of, like, really put all that aside because this one, I was just laser focused on. I really wanted Jack Quaid to be a ghost face. Like, they just really... from the moment he he was cast i'm like he will be so much fun as a ghost face yeah did not disappoint they really do a good job of hiding the stuff in here in a way that makes perfect sense because like you think like it's it's clearly two people fairly early in the the thing so it's like well there's no way it could be him and somebody else because he doesn't know any of these other people he's not from there and how how they tie that back together is like Oh no! Fucking the internet, dude. In the, in the <laughs> final act is like, oh yeah, people not do just talk the about internet. movies on the internet. The stab subreddit. Okay, so Reddit. <laughs> Sp- yeah, before we get into the recap, we're, I just want to get like these little bitty things out of the way. So on the subtitles of the movie, the captions of the movie, when Mindy is talking about the internet and the movies, like movie internet forums and stuff like that, she says 4chan. And then the subtitles say dread it like and I think it like D-R-E-A-D-I-T or D-R. Yeah. So I'm like, so we can say 4chan, but we're not going to invoke the name of Reddit on this. We're just going <laughs> to call it dread it. So I thought it was like some stab screen movie universe God. version of Reddit. And then they said subreddit, not sub dread it. So I assume that that was some kind of mistake, but. I, I don't know. There's literally nothing you can say about 4chan that couldn't be proved true. It like is legally impossible to defame 4chan. 4chan is kind of one of those where I'm afraid to invoke it by name a little bit. Just I'm I'm not so much afraid. I'm hesitant. Afraid it will appear. I just don't want that being's like attention. Candy man. Yeah, like <laughs> that. 4chan is a is actually curse. It's its own like universe, and it's like the dark. It's the Hellraiser universe, basically. That's I think there's something is. to the idea of internet as Eldrick being. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I was going to say is that if I were to guess, I would say that this movie is squarely in Cloverdale because Cloverdale is cursed and it's definitely a place where like mass murderers would go on a rampage. Although it's actually a little bit out of nowhere. You mentioned Reddit, and I just, I wanted to bring up that Jack Quaid during filming was on the Scream Reddit and was like interacting with fans, and he was like kind of getting in character. So there's a whole account that was Jack Quaid, and it has since been discovered which one. Amazing! That's awesome. Yeah, this the, is yeah. The one last loves. thing I want to bring up is that I feel like we've talked about the fact on here, and and it annoys me in the other movies a little bit that uh, Dewey never talks about the fact that his sister died in the first one. And her ashes mm-hmm. are like explicitly just hanging out in the middle of his trailer living room in this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, like, they say I mean, something like, I know you know how that feels. I think she says to him. That's just like, I feel like that's what they're talking oh, about. My sister was stabbed seven times. I know you know how that feels. And I'm he's like, just, 
Dewey should have been like, actually, I have no idea how that feels. Come back when your sister's been crushed by a garage door. (laughs) Yeah. Although, I mean, it's funny to see that, like, Rose McGowan, Dewey's sister, is is an urn, you know, like, she's not terribly, like, ceremoniously displayed, and she's never mentioned. Whereas fucking Where in that Randy, apartment can anything be ceremoniously displayed? I I noticed the There's gun no ceremony. The, the well, yes, but there was a very like specifically placed picture of guns on the wall or some shit. Anyway, <laughs> I don't was. know. Like that's all I remember from from his apartment, other than him and his giant t- gun. Antique like, pistols t- framed on the wall. They're they're like oh yeah, Civil war pistols. So the fucking altar to Randy. In his sister's house was <laughs> bananas. Like, I want to know, did Randy, no, Randy did die. He did die. Randy died in two. That's right. That's and we met his sister in three briefly because she yeah. delivered the videotape. Of and him. while it right. hasn't been confirmed, the rumor is that Chad and Mindy's dad is the cameraman from Scream 2. Oh, okay. I hope so. I mean. The cameraman who's like. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yes. That's a significant age difference. Which would why which would explain genetically why they are smart enough to survive. Because they I both mean, they made, barely did. But I feel like one thing I noticed in the rewatch was I feel like they both like follow the rules in ways that like karmically earned them their survival. Mindy like Chad was kind of a monster. I love that like, Mindy explicitly is like I'm not gonna have sex right now. I'll die. Like, I'm I'm more than happy to make out, but after that, yes. Chad <laughs> explicitly turns down sex, so he lives. And Mindy is both gay and turns around, so per the rules of four, she lives. Yeah, the Chad Ch- Chad as a character is incredibly intriguing to me because he is aptly named, and I I don't know how I feel about, especially you know, rest in peace, Wes Craven. I do understand. I don't know how I feel about the like the Chad virgin virgin dichotomy that is obviously here and the virgin of this duo being called Wes. It's a bit unfortunate. I feel like they named him Wes just so that he would be the one that died before like the party so that they could all toast Wes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is exactly it. No, that that is 100 percent it. Yeah. Um, to me, the finest piece of cinema that has ever been produced in the horror genre is Mindy, like watching the actor playing her uncle, watching Jamie Lee Curtis and scream and having the like realization that the same thing was happening to her just before it happened and then moving out of the way. Like, I, incredible. One of my favorite scenes in the movie. That, I that love hurt that. my brain. It was like looking into like double mirrors. It, I think that was one of the things about this movie that just got me where I'm like, Christopher okay. Nolan could never. Yeah, I know. Like Christopher Nolan could never. Like this because this is this is not literal. Like Nolan wishes he could direct a scream movie. But she was looking at her uncle, but a guy playing her uncle who's talking to Jamie Lee Curtis in a movie that is being watched in an, and it's a reference to the original movie where the guy who's plays her uncle is named Jamie. <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. I mean, there's even a line in the movie where Richie goes, it sounds a lot like Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> God. Someone and mentioned the- queerness in the movie, obviously through Mindy, but yeah. I wanted to bring up the fact that Mindy. Jenna Ortega is the best character and, in the fucking and series. And her friend 
uh, what was Amber, her friend Amber. They were supposed yes. to be dating, and in the original script, they were girlfriends. And like even in the casting call, it was like we're casting two lesbians. And then when they made the film, it really seemed. And I, I read the original script. They literally just like cut out like three different lines where they reference each other as girlfriends and like a peck on the lips, like. Everything else is the same, and it's like they still really read as they're dating to me, though. Yeah, I mean, they almost it does. Amber very it, much reads as at least regarding like this character as as her girlfriend. She's very like protective in a way. Like as much as I'm usually the like yes, just make them lesbians person. I'm really glad they're not dating in this story because I've seen way too many horror movies recently, especially involving lesbians. Where one of them turns out to be evil and tries to kill the other one, like mm-hmm. and for some reason, yeah, it's like a trope. I don't know what happened. It's like give me all the lesbians. It would have been very much like the psycho bisexual trope, and just added another element of like what the fuckery to the her relationship with with like Richie. Well, my I, headcanon is the maybe they that... were dating, but they weren't out to the sister, so they're like. You know, not really telling her, so it doesn't have to be a Okay, but point. either way, you still have Richie actually being with the underage yes. Amber. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. That real bad. So to me, it's like that it's Amber and that she's the killer just would make any queerness just like such a fucking minefield. Yeah. That, like, I really don't mind them not doing it be in this case. Bummer. I think the entire friend group is gay. Because you can't just have two <laughs> yeah. of them dating, possibly. Plus, Mindy's oh, a yeah. lesbian. One of them has dyed blonde hair. I'm like, all right, come on. Everyone yeah, has to be gay then. They're all queer. Like, uh, they're on the queer spectrum for sure. Yeah. This was a really interesting one to watch, like, post-watching six. Because the first time I watched this, it was, it was all like, okay, here, we have this new group of characters. It is that, like, new generation. And, like, they all felt very, like, expendable, and I didn't have much of an attachment to them. And then after Scream 6, it's very much like, oh, Y'all are the new, like, Sydney, Gale, and Dewey. Like, y'all are it. Y'all really are the new main characters. I'm attached to you now. So it was really interesting going back and watching Five, now having real emotional attachment to those surviving characters that go on to be in Six. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen Six. I know jack shit about Six, other than the fact that they put the numbers in the M. (laughs) <laughs> and it's in the city or something. I don't know. It's like, so yes, it's in New York. Us. It's in New York. And it's great because I got to admit this being our third movie out of five in Woodsboro. I'm getting a little sick of Woodsboro. Yeah, no. So I mean, we don't need it to be Woodsboro. We also don't need it to be only two ghost faces. But then, you know, this movie did it anyway. But um, there's two other things I wanted to bring up before that, that don't have anything to do with progressive politics or anything. They're just funny to me. One. <laughs> When the fuck did they reboot Flatliners? Mindy says that they rebooted Flatliners. Oh, that was a few years ago. 2017. Yes. Yes. Starring Keeper Sutherland and Elliot Page. That's what I thought. What? Yeah. When? 2017. It must have done really well. (laughs) Yeah, obviously, because it's so memorable. (laughs) What was your other point? Oh, my other. Oh, yeah. uh, My other point was that, like, now, I know that Luke Wilson playing Billy Loomis was a joke, but now that things are getting, like, serious and Billy Loomis is, like, the ghost dad. It would have been great if, like, she hadn't seen a picture of, like, there were no pictures of Billy Loomis, so instead, like, 
in her hallucination, he's Luke yeah. Wilson. That would have been mm. fucking great, too. And they had that picture of Billy Loomis on the screen and, like, there's some documentary that they're watching or whatever, like, behind the real story or whatever. And, like, Skeet Ulrich's super smoking in that picture. Like, he's so oh. hot. And he's, like, giving fucking the camera. Scorching. I know. He's, like, giving the camera the bedroom eyes. And I'm, like. He's making love to that camera. This is the only time that an actor playing an actual, like, killer has been a downgrade from the actual killer. Mm-hmm. I just thought that that yeah. was interesting. It's because I, Yeah. Normally, it's, like, oh, here's a schlub, but we're going to get fucking what's his face high school musical to play him Zach Avron someone yeah, had, yeah like Zach, just, high school musical I wanted yeah. to go off of what Ben was saying earlier that I I think this movie is going to age very well the first time around watching it like every time it was focused on the new characters I was like yeah but like where's Sydney like I just want to go back to Dewey like I don't care about this character but now the more time we spend with these new characters like Going back to five, I think, is going to like it's just going to age very well and get even better. I did like, like slight spoilers. Chad will become the himbo. You didn't know this franchise needed. Are his biceps still named Hobbs and Shaw? Oh, oh my sure. God. Yes. Yeah. But that Fast and Furious reference fucking sent me. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's two references. Amazing. In this. One is the Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw reference, which I was like, I love it. Perfect. The second one is the fact that Tara, when she's in the, I think it's in the hospital, is watching Dawson's Creek. Not just Dawson's Creek, but watching an episode of Dawson's Creek that's about horror movies. It's it's so deep because that show, like, what's on there features both Scott Foley and Joshua Jackson, who have both been in Scream. And Dawson's Creek is created by Kevin Williamson. Yeah. And, like, the, the fact that all of that on top of, like, that it is also, that show is meta about film and everything anyway. And yeah. they like put this in there. I was like, oh my God, this is this moment here is like, that's like look, the double mirror effect of like, I don't want to wait for it. You know how deep that goes. I don't want to wait for, for our lives or, ever. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Like Mikey Madison plays Amber in this movie. The other big movie I know her from is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's kind of crazy that she gets set on fire in both those movies, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, some actors have a thing that they do, and good for them. Jeremy, you might have. I don't know who Scott Foley is. Set on fire. So maybe you said this, but um, in that clip they showed of Dawson's Creek, Sydney's brother's actor is in it. So like, she's watching something with Sydney's brother. Oh my god! They used the clip of they used Scott. Yes, Scott Foley. A.K.A. the villain from Scream 3. Okay, see, yeah. I didn't know his name yeah. in real life. Yeah, so he is actually on that yes. clip. Okay, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so I guess her brother did some, like, acting here and there because he was in Hollywood, and that's him in the Scream universe. All me, all media is just, it's just a string of memes and references in various sequences. I wish, the one thing that they introduced in this movie that I wish had played a bigger role is... That creepy dude's bright purple Mustang. The place red right hand. That was was, was Stu's nephew. And I feel like they did nothing with that. I know. Yes. That's rude to Stu. Yes. One last thing I do want to point out. And maybe this is progressive. I don't know. But having the doofy hunky cop be Chester Tam is pretty amazing. You know, 
it's not often that you get doofy hunky cop as a as a Chinese American actor. So uh, oh, this guy also Chester Tam built like a damn truck. He's a big <laughs> dude. Like weird that nobody comments on how handsome he is in this movie. It was like, it was hard to get him and Sam Barrera in frame together. Yeah, or Melissa Barrera. Yeah, like you could tell they literally struggled to like just stage that. So okay, yeah. Let's uh, ben, let's recap. You're doing this. the recap, so you gotta get to it eventually. Yes, recap. It is 25 years since the original killing spree of Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker. And still in the town of Woodsboro, I'm high old. school student Tara Carpenter. We, we get older every day. Tara Carpenter, home. you say? A, a, a reference. Yeah, how about that? Sam a and Tara Carpenter. God. Is at home when she gets a call. You know, that classic ghost face killer call. And we get ourselves a classic ghost face killing opening. Except... She survives because she's Jenna Ortega and they ain't killing her off that quickly. And she likes elevated uh, horror. So she has. Good oh, yes, that. that's important. Yes, she, she's big into our meta, into our next generation of A24 shit. She likes that hereditary vivage. We, we stand an elevated horror queen. I love you. Uh, how you save the bitch. So happy. The vivage. She may love ho- Elevate Hard, but guess what? She is, as they say, metatextual. What do they call it here? Meta slasher whodunit full stop. Right. I love that she's wearing the colors that Drew Barrymore wore in the original. Is she? That's amazing. Ah, I love it. And she's Again, making popcorn, I, I, the whole thing. Yeah. Midnight is the best character. Like, metatextual slasher whodunit just fucking nailed what this genre is. And really why this series is able to be so successful installment after installment. The whodunit always keeps it fresh. Yes. I've talked a lot about why I love the whodunit in this series. Anyway, in the bustling metropolis of Modesto, Tara's older sister, Sam Carpenter, is working at the combination bowling alley slash hospital slash town hall, I assume. (laughs) That's true. Yes. When she's informed by Wes Hicks, the inexplicably blonde friend of Tara about the attack. She, her and her boyfriend, uh, Richie Kirsch, played by Jack Quaid, who is just fucking wonderful in this movie, go and visit Tara at the hospital where we, where her and Sam meet Tara's friend group, Wes, Amber, twins Chad and Mindy, and Liv McKenzie. I love this friends group because never in a Scream movie has a friend group and more just at each other's throats at the drop of a hat. They are all, they are all ready to assume any one of them is the killer. Like, this friend group has zero trust. Also, I have to mention that these teens would rather survive than fuck. And I think that that's true progress. <laughs> Well, you know, if you look at the rates of teenage sex and the chart going down, very true to Gen Z. Bless. They, Thank you, Ghostface. I am convinced they're friends with the, uh, or like somebody's sister is part of the Bodies, Bodies, Bodies group. Yes. Oh, man. I could I could very easily see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and Scream taking place in the same universe. Anyway, there is also Liv's ex creepy hookup summer hookup who hits on teen underage teenagers Vince who is Stu's nephew we will learn and he after getting into a fight with Chad is killed by Ghostface in 
just a really satisfying, like low key kill. Like just sneak up and then just a knife in the neck. <laughs> and the red right hand plays, which right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good musical moment. Meanwhile, like after like hallucinating fucking after hallucinating fucking ghost Billy in a in the fucking hospital, Sam reveals to Tara the re- that she's the reason that her father left and their family broke up. And after learning that she was Billy's illegitimate daughter. Um, How did we feel about that? I feel like we haven't talked about. I mean, it's this reveal that. Yeah, I, I, I felt that it was better than the random brother that Sydney had. Like that was def- definitely better than the weird shit and the weird yes. quits in two and three. Like I was I like I didn't give a shit about any of that. And with her, I did. I mean, I kind of like this legacy, the legacy cool of her being sort of the, also having a little bit of that 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 haunting her but that is a sort of comes to her aid later and i just love like who doesn't want a ghost dad skeet ulrich being like now you gotta How survive funny would have been though if she was Stu's illegitimate daughter and we got ghost matthew lillard <laughs> i would have been i i am i'm kind of personally offended that the creep dude is related to Stu. Like, I feel right? like it should have been the other way around. Like, I feel like it should have been. God. Then again, Stu was a pretty creepy dude. Stu was, but he's Matthew Lillard, though. So he's automatically lovable. Like, that's the thing about yeah. Matthew Lillard. He's like. That's true. Maybe Matthew that'll be Lillard the twist in the third one. In in uh, seven, we'll find out her mom yes. lied and really she slept with Stu. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, just, she just wants Billy to be her dad because he's hot. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, Billy's not even her dad. He's just, like, some weird, like... The reveal will be that, like, oh, then the mom went to the college and slept with Timothy Elephant, so the killer from Scream <laughs> 2 is Sarah's dad. They're both ghost-faced daughters, and then we can bring Timothy Elephant back as as Tara's ghost dad, and they can each have their own ghost-faced killer I dad. I want... Just I... find is my ghost dad? God, I want a Skeet Ulrich ghost dad to be a recurring character so bad. And then Stu also, like Matthew Lillard ghost dad. Like we need to, could although. You, but could you imagine what being haunted by Matthew Lillard would be like? It'd be just like making a lot of faces and doing a lot of noises. And be like, ah, I'm dead. Like, like, that would be awesome. Are you kidding me? I'd be like, man, I'm not afraid of death no more. Yeah, I still think. Is there going to like. Is just has a just has a TV for a head because, you know. If five and six were retellings of like one and two, I think seven should really utilize the voice changer in some way and bring back everyone. I I really hope three is like they're now filming the Scream streaming series. I'm now just obsessed with the image of this like fucking anime dead stew with a TV for a head, but it's like Matthew Lord's face on the TV and it's like fucking Max Hedrum, but he's also serial killer from Hackers. It's kind of feel like God. It's every so movie. So anyway, yes. Just like this, it's every movie. So anyway, Tara is so distraught to learn the truth and the secret Sam kept and why Sam hadn't talked to her in five years that she orders her out and doesn't want to see her anymore. Richie, despite professing to have never even heard of the Stab movies, sure seems to have some bright ideas about pulling in veterans to help them. So Sam and Richie go to visit Dewey who has unfortunately uh, divorced from Gail 
and is living in a trailer, being drunk and watching Gail on the news and just being like, you know, a real act three Obi-Wan mentor figure oh, type. He is very sad. Yeah, death flags for days, unfortunately. Yeah, I've never found him hotter. <laughs> I mean, no, he's absolutely hot. Out. Yeah, he is that. He is daddy. He is, yeah, Dewey is so daddy in this movie. They call him Shitty Sam Elliott, which I feel like yes. is is low hanging fruit for starters because they're like, okay, it's like a cowboy. What's the one cowboy actor that we can name off of the top of our head? Sam Elliott, and also he's not shitty. He's just sad. <laughs> Dewey gained pathos through the series. Like that he's his story, I think, is one of the more important stories to the Scream franchise. Sid, oh, yeah. Sid kind of plateaus at badass. Like she's just sort of like, I am a survivor. Cor- Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers, also plateaued at badass, successful. And Dewey is just like, did not cut it for Gail because honestly, like Dewey would have had to either become a fucking, I don't know, like a model or something, which he could have done. I mean, or just being able to deal with living in New York. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds yeah. like it was a like him thing. He yeah. could have just been a house husband in New York and he just I, couldn't deal with the city. I think he was, I think he just felt useless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, I can really see like, I don't need I don't need any explanation of how this relationship ended. We've talked about it, how Sydney's character arc really kind of ended at three. Yeah, they really wrapped up Sydney's character. arc, And, you know, we talked about how Sydney's character doesn't really advance in four. And I mean, it really doesn't advance here in five where it's like this is almost where she's almost like a ghost face killing agent where like she knows what to do. Like, I love the scene where. Her and Gail just instantly know that Amber is a killer. Like yeah. they know it's a trap right <laughs> yes. away. But so really, like, yeah, so really Sydney's character arc has really already come to a stop. Dewey's character arc was really and development was really still very <laughs> much going strong into this fifth movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I totally see what you mean about Sydney and Gail kind of plateauing. Like, like I love seeing them in that moment of like, oh yeah, she's definitely the killer. And it's entertaining, but it's like when you've reached that status of being so, you know, like all knowing in the franchise, like, yeah, what can you really yeah. offer us at this point besides the, that, uh, like fan service? Yeah. As weird as it is to have in Scream, again, to go back to talk a little bit about Scream 6, as weird as maybe Cindy was still really necessary to be in this one to really help pass the torch to that new, this new generation. But yeah. as weird as to have a Scream movie without Sydney Prescott in Scream 6, she really wasn't needed. Like, the movie really loses nothing by not having Sydney. Yes, I hadn't seen 5 when 6 came out. And I know there was a lot of, like, people on the internet being like, you can't have it without Sydney. But, like, watching 5 now, it's so clear she's not supposed to be in 6. Because, like... There's just this moment where Sam like goes over to her and Gail sitting on the front of the ambulance and is like, hey, guys, thanks for everything. (laughs) Like, you guys are going to go your way and I'm going to go mine, but we'll always remember each other. Like, okay, (laughs) can we talk about how also fucking Shane when they're sitting on the when they're sitting at the back of that ambulance, Gail's been fucking shot. Why has she been shot? Why is she just sitting right. there being like, I'm 
just chilling. Like she's been shot in the gut. What right. the fuck? Yeah, a lot of people. Plot, everyone's plot armor is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, yeah, Amber gets shot. I mean, as far as we know, Amber gets shot to shit by Dewey, and then is back to just like just kicking it later. So no, Amber, Amber gets shot in her body armor. Like, I mean, okay. one that would hurt like hell. But there's a moment where like when Dewey goes back to get her, like he leans in, and you can see that like the bullets are stopped against body armor. Oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah, it's just before he gets stabbed. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh no, they're prepped. Chad has the highest fucking HP you've ever seen in this franchise. <laughs> Chad yeah. is Pokemon joke. Shop. Is, incoming Pokemon joke. Chad is the Blissey of the Scream. <laughs> he is though, because Blissey's totally a himbo. Chad yes. bleeds at yep. Evil Dead two levels, like. <laughs> Yeah, yes. blood coming gushing out of his thigh, but he is like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I mean, I'm just... as Richie also survives a gunshot to the leg pretty well, but yeah. you know, I think these new movies are really establishing that characters can live through things <laughs> that they could not live through yes. before. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. characters, characters absolutely can survive, right? Especially after six, kills. But like, I'm stuck oh on this idea God. of like Sydney and Gale armor and being on a level where like, like if what happened to Dewey in this movie happened to Gale or Sydney, I feel like they would have lived, even if they went through the same exact thing, because they, yeah. they are they're on a pedestal that we cannot touch. <laughs> so like, I, I just find the, it fascinating the, that Dewey is treated God, different. Dewey's death though, the the two knives going up. Yeah, I mean, it that was, was rough. I remember the first time I watched it, and TJ, you were there the first time I watched it. Like, I was horrified. Isn't like, I was almost like screaming at the screen, like, no, no, no. Like, it was horrible, but it was also definitely the right call. That was able to elicit such strong emotion from me and feel yeah. earned and feel respectful to the character. Yeah, and no, to get like, Sydney back, like, that was the only thing that could have got her to come back, I think. Yeah. So it, yeah. it was necessary, sadly. Yeah, no, I. If they you do... saw my my note, I was, I was live blogging on the uh, on the our chat, yeah. and I said, if, "Fuck this movie." I don't mean that. If, I actually like this movie. My big hope, if they do bring Sydney in back into the franchise, my hope is that they'll reveal that there was an entirely other ghost face situation that Sydney dealt with, like off screen, <laughs> where yeah. she's just coming, just like, "Yep, my yoga instructor was a ghost face. I dealt with it. Don't worry." There's like that. That opens it up for like you know, screams the side stories. See, I want that to yeah, be the whole the ghost faces go <laughs> There's the ghost faces still coming after Sydney, and now there's the ghost faces coming after like Sam and Tara. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where are we? I, th on I the think recap? that could be great. Recap. Oh, man. So they asked Dewey for help, and he's like, no, but then Dewey feels guilty. So he's like, yeah, because, you know, you got to refuse that call. Hero's journey, motherfucker. They go to the, like, Martha Meeks' home, Randy's sister, where Mindy and Chad, the Wonder Twins of Scream, are here. Me, get... Don't skip my girl. Oh, yes, yeah. we, get the, we, get, <laughs> yes we get the call between... Sydney and Dewey with the amazing line, I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a gun. <laughs> and she's she has a wedding ring. She's married to someone named Mark. 
who is probably the cop from Scream 3. It's, abs- it's definitely the detective from 3. <laughs> it's gotta be. A, char- a character who has survived this long by never coming back to the series. It's worked so far. This she scene is great. Just seeing hits. them interact. Oh, yeah. But, like, it makes me sad, though, because someone pointed out that, like, she's surprised when she answers the phone. So, obviously, they haven't really kept in touch. So it's just, it makes me even more sad. (laughs) I'm like, oh, they didn't even stand. I can't wait till they start like introducing when it's like, oh, when it's like they introduce like Sydney's teenage daughter into the franchise. Scream 10. Actually, that could be if like a target starts like targeting like Sydney, you know, Sydney's daughters in high school and Sydney's the mom. That could be a real way to bring Sydney into the franchise. That's, I'm going to again. I'm going to turn it to dust when that happens. Like the second that they chose <laughs> teenage daughter or this her age, I'm going to be like, oh, the, the colorists. And then I will become a skeleton. Do we give some rules when the trailer? Do we also fucking pegs Richie as the killer like immediately? Yeah, bless Which his heart. Richie points out later and it's great. But then, you know, Mindy takes, so truly inheriting her uncle's role in the series except she gets to kiss girls. She explains the rules of the requel. The is that a thing? Is that I'm like guess. a thing people say? The, when this much... movie came out, this was like the first major thing that I had seen use that term, and I had never heard of it before. Yeah, but like... Now it's kind of a thing after that. Requel and like a sequel, I have I think heard they were, before in my life. I think they were trying to come up with a term for like a phenomenon that was clearly going on but didn't really have a term for it. I think so. Well, good on yeah. this movie for making some more memes. Yeah, so they pretty much figure out that the pattern of the killings is that all the people being killed are related to or in some way related to the original Scream. Wes is scared, but then they tell him that Wes that he won't be targeted because nobody gives a shit about Scream 4. <laughs> okay, this bothers me because it doesn't make sense. And like, I'm trying to jump through hoops because... They didn't make Scream 4 into a stab movie, and the only one that his mom could have been in is the most recent one that everyone hates. So it's like, okay. Do we but it's know not... that it couldn't have been Scream 7? That there couldn't have been, like, Stab 7? Uh, I feel like they said what the plot was, because I Oh, swear. we did get, we did get, I, I didn't account how exactly, because we did get, like, Stab three is three, and then we did get like four, five, and six, and like right. The so I think maybe seven was like already made during four, but because I did, I, I I fell down a well and did research at one point. Nice. But I'm like, the only yes. way this makes sense is if they did, they rebooted but used aspects that really happened in real life during the events of four. So like his mom is in the reboot. I don't know. Try to make it make sense, right? Maybe they just I- use lemon squares. I do like that Wes is the nerd and he gets the shower scene. Like, oh, yeah. We didn't get... I, I was there for that. Yeah, we didn't get any of his butt, which I'm like... I mean, he's tasteful. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I technically he's supposed to be a teenager, but... He is so my age. I mean... In real life. Oh, in <laughs> real life. That's every okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, anyway. Despite the assurance that nobody cares about Scream 4... Wes and his mother, Sheriff Judy Hit Judy Lemon Squares Hicks, aren't targeted. We get a whole long ordering sushi like sequence and Wait, getting set up for sushi. Is that sequence is that sushi sequence so long because it's a red herring? 
But no. Yeah. Damn it, Emily. <laughs> Can we linger on this sequence? Because no. like, well, the movie does. Over. <laughs> Done. Over. Okay, I'll I'll continue the recap. So they have they don't have sushi. No, they But I will say, Judy Sheriff Hicks does get a belly full of knife. Yeah, a full knife dinner. And I'm a fan of knives and scary movies. Which one's your favorite? Not like exactly. which is my More favorite like knife. And Judy and Wes gets a very slow extended knife through the neck in just yeah. an absolutely brutal kill sequence. Yeah, Judy gets repeatedly uh, stabbed on her like in the grass in her front yard in broad daylight. She's just yeah. like that was rough. Relish is murdering her. This is why it's important. I mean, you, you have to keep things in, these things in mind if you're going to have a deep front yard. So, you know, yeah. simply safe, not just for the house. I think this a- part's after, my favorite part of the whole movie. Yes, because after this, Gail comes back. Gail is about to introduce herself as Gail Weathers, but then sees Dewey and instinctively introduces herself as Gail Riley. And my heart fucking shatters into a thousand pieces. We that get whole scene a, is great. Uh, we get just a wonderful human wrenching scene between Dewey and Gail. And then Sam's like, wait a minute. Why are the cops who are supposed to be guarding my sister here and not guarding my sister? And everyone rushes back and Dewey and Sam rush back to the hospital. And also Richie is there. Richie is, does not help because he is because he is the killer, but also because he is useless. And he's just watching Netflix the whole time. Well, and we're talking about yes. meta, like the relationship between David Arquette and Courtney Cox in real life, how it mirrors Dewey and Gale is so fun, like tragic and oh, funny to me. Is it? I don't know this this bit of lore. Because I like, well, they, you know, they, they got together around the that. same time yeah. and then they oh. were kind of struggling through four and then they really got divorced in real life. And Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's a lot of history, even between them as people like filming that scene. I'm like, wow, that that took a lot of guts to have yeah. that real history and be acting that. And then he lost all yeah. of them. The guts, that is. He did. Also, if you're wondering if this movie was a success. Yes, it extremely was. It made almost one hundred and forty million dollars of a twenty four million dollar budget. And well rated. I saw the the ratings on a litter box. And yes, yeah, it was it was pretty positive compared to like a lot of the other screen movies. I should say this. Yes, the sequels. Yes, <laughs> like this movie. This franchise is doing good. And then again, the next one they made a thirty three million dollar budget and made almost one hundred and seventy million at the box office. So these movies are doing good. And Scream Seven has already been announced to being fast tracked. So we could have Scream 7, I think, like, by next year. Screven. No. Apparently, the directors are making some monster movie, and it has Melissa Barrera in it. So I don't know oh, if that's, so like, delay. Gonna... What? But I feel like delay. I need they need time to get it right, I think. Yeah. So they're making the Universal they Pictures do. monster movie, but they're also, at least Bertinelli Open is making a remake of Escape from New York, supposedly. Which, again, I don't know that we need that, but it could be awesome. So, yeah. we'll see. In this movie, though, at the hospital, attacked by Ghostface, Tara, who, trying to get away despite being just so stabbed, like, everywhere, and just, like, in 
agonizing pain, like with every movement. It's horrible to see. Yeah, um, it's rough. Dewey and Sam arrive to save the day, and they almost escape. But Dewey's like, "No, I've been in too many of these movies. I gotta shoot it in the head." But is then distracted by tragic romantic phone call from Gail, and just oh, the, the aforementioned gutting, as Jeremy alluded to. Just, the fact that he uh, dies looking at her face, and she's never gonna know. It's so sad. Tears, to me. tears <laughs> down my eyes, down my it's, face. I I was transported. I was transported. It was, there was some whiplash because I was like, oh yeah, I'm still in a scream movie, like. Mm. Because then the pacing of it, they were like, we can't really mourn. I mean, they did mourn the shit out of Dewey. It's the most mourning I've ever seen in a Scream movie. They know they had to treat this as like the most important death that has ever happened in the franchise. Yeah, they still moved on from that pretty quickly, like comparatively, because, you know, it's a fast paced movie and they had to do that. And that's fine. There is also I was still just active like, killers on the loose. So they I still was, do have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. But like. The death of Dewey, I was still like, ooh, what you say? And, <laughs> like, I was still kind of in shock from that. Yeah. The slow-mo um, shot of Gail just, like, breaking down and the music. The part yeah. gets me. Yeah, God, the okay. The killer says uh, it's an honor after killing him is uh, yes. wonderful which is a real, yeah. Which is also a really great hint as to the motivation of the ghost mm. face being a big fan of, like, a fanatic. I mean, the and, line of the movie that really just sums up so much of the themes of what they're doing with Ghostface was, and fucking Jack Quaid just nails the line, is when Richie goes like, how can fandom be toxic? It's about love. His performance was fantastic. Like, I've not seen oh, yeah. like a Ghostface killer reveal character be that fantastic. I mean, the what's her nuts throwing herself into the glass table pretty close <laughs> but his whole oh, jail, like yeah performance was fan like it was a new level for a screen movie which i thought was really cool both the this reveals why, I like, thought came together really well on this yeah so, i yeah. love the suddenness of it of, of the amber reveal oh the amber yeah. reveal when she like fucking shot anyway she finished the the... Like, i'm not the yes. killer and amber's like i know like it's... yeah <laughs> oh anyway, my god okay finish recap so we can then just start getting into this movie's discussion of Toxic fandom, and also just the weird, crazy moments we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sydney arrives. Gail, her and Gail mourn, and they talk to Sam. Sydney wants to, Sam's help to stop the killer, but Sam's like, lol, no, get, G get the fuck on out of Dodge. Yeah. But they, you know, Sydney and Gail, they put a tracker on the car, so the hunt is on. It's uh, good. They have great chemistry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like again, just Sydney and Gail are just like such old bros. It's really fun watching them together. Get in um, the car. Get in the car. The, the plan. Have you and the host of the morning show commit murder. Yeah. Right. I love that the they're plan. straight up like yes. Yeah, Gail says yeah. correct. Like, yeah. Correct. The plan to get out of of town is compromised by Tara can't find her inhaler, so they go to Amber's house to pick up the spare inhaler. Uh, she's her girlfriend. She over, yeah, that she kept <laughs> over there from the draft of the script where they were girlfriends. <laughs> um, and then there's a big party going on because this is a scream movie and a murder spree's going on. So what else are you supposed to do but have a big fucking rager? We get our big uh, for Wes memorial and everyone's very distrustful of each other. Nobody in this friend group likes each other very much yet. I think they just lived through 2020. That's fair. <laughs> You know, there's a 
there's a self-care movement going on right now that I think is very important. Again, the fact that these teens prioritize survival over fucking and the fact that Chad is like, hey, I don't want to fuck you right now. I don't want our first time to be like during the serial killer shit. And I also think that, you know, like there is a non-zero chance that you could be a killer. So it's nothing personal. And then she gets mad and he's like, you're right for being mad. That is a valid response. That's a valid response. And I'm like, <laughs> we stand an emotionally intelligent king. Right? Yeah. And Chad and Hobbs and Shaw, the heroes <laughs> of this movie. Uh, so both Chad and Mindy get attacked real bad at the party. Chad especially just gets so stabbed, whether it's turning down sex, whether it is finally turning around to see the killer, like, coming up behind you. Like, even if it is just, like, them being rewarded by the rules of the universe, like, they do make decisions that I think earn them their reprieves in this movie. So the basement scene with Mindy oh, and... Oh, yeah. Is it Amber? Yeah. I thought they were going to make yeah. out. I thought they I, were having oh like my a God. secret love I affair. I thought so, too. That. that was the hottest fucking scene in the movie. That was crazy. It's weird because I didn't really catch anything that was, like, overtly gay about Mindy that wasn't, like, gay about everybody else, you know? <laughs> um, but I also, you know, I watch Yellow Jackets. And spoilers, she <laughs> plays a gay character in Yellow Jackets. She also plays a gay character in real life. <laughs> I figured if she was being, like, repeatedly typecast as, like, this cool lesbian. So, automatically, I was like, that's uh, it's Thais Turner from Yellowjack. And so I was automatically... It is Thaisa. Yeah, it is. It, it is the association. But she so, doesn't eat anyone in this movie. As far as we know. She's having an appointment for after the, the film. Yeah, not, not in a cannibalism way, at least. Wink, wink, gay sex. But yeah, like this, the sexual tension, like I was sort of projecting Thaisa Turner onto this character, but then I was like, oh, she actually is gay. And she makes out with a girl on screen. She's also wearing a, um, like a pride pin for a good chunk of the movie. Yeah, and I didn't notice that until after she like was talking about Which hooking up with the girl. Does not really count Looking at you, fucking MCU America Chavez. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Which is why I am glad that we get that amazing line where she's just like, I'm going to watch movies, smoke weed, and probably hook up with Frances. Yeah. She's got a real weed and always sunny lesbian like vibe to her. Just like, yeah, my kind of lady. There are so many lesbians yeah. in movies that are like a particular type that is a film type. This is much more like a type I know in real life type. Oh, same yeah same this is the type i aspire to be right like that she is powerful enough and i haven't been this as a lesbian but i've been at this moment where i'm like i'm gonna do this in fact this is how i went on the first date with my husband is basically saying what you're gonna do like i'm gonna finish this thing and we're gonna go on a date or we're gonna finish this thing and we're gonna make out now you know we don't need (laughs) we don't need any subtext here like it's just it's so refreshing and beautiful that she's just like, I'm going to hook up with you after I smoke some weed. The only reason I am slightly bitter about Mindy being a lesbian is because obviously this was what Kirby was supposed to be in the last film. And now oh, that yeah. she's back, I'm like, they're not going to let there be two women who are film buffs and also both lesbians textually. And like Kirby is know. my Mindy, I guess, yeah. from when I was a teen. So slightly Spoilers. bitter. 
slight spoilers for Scream 6, Kirby and Mindy do share a scene that, that pretty much boils down to the both of them going, I know what you are. Yes. Like, Kirby's obviously still gay. We just have not been told it textually yet. Yes. They all convene after Mindy is attacked, and we get the wonderful Amber reveal of her just pulling out a Dewey's gun from out of nowhere and shooting Liv right in the fucking head. It is so sudden. I honestly forgot about Liv in this movie until I realized, like, <laughs> oh, right, she's the one who Amber fucking shoots in the head. Yeah. Um, and then, like, fucking Sydney and Gail arrive, like, and then Amber comes out pretending to be stabbed, which a ruse that, as we discussed, Gail and Sydney see through fucking immediately. Right. And just becomes an instant shootout. They're all running <laughs> around scared, looking for Amber. Amber's hunting them. People are going downstairs, and it's a big struggle for the gun. There's two lines here that I really want to uh, highlight. One is being a sexually available woman is empowering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the seventies. It's it's a little it's more complicated. Two, the fact that Richie tells Amber to fan out, and I'm like, you can't fan out if it's just one person. Which is he's he he just he's just a film dork who's just seeing what he said in movies. Oh yeah, and then I love it. I love it. Amber yeah. also survives being shot and being burned alive. Well, I feel like it, it kind of needs to be Richie who at least killed Wes because otherwise like what insane super strength is Amber like fucking pulling off where she is just flat out being stronger than someone like much larger than her. I think it's supposed to be Wes that attacks Tara the first time. I think Amber is doing the phone stuff and I think Wes is the one that attacks her because Tara is one of the few like assaults in a scream movie where like Ghostface does anything that's not stab somebody. He straight up like breaks her ankle by like Picking it while she's, you know, laying at an angle, uh, which yeah. is not like a traditional ghost face move. Ghost face is usually just like run over the couch trying to stab somebody. But like these are the mall Tara opening scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you said Wes was bigger than Amber. I'm like, are you sure? Wes looks pretty tiny. Wes is tiny. You think but Amber Twain could defend himself. Wes is also, Wes is tiny, but Amber is also very tiny. Yeah. Amber has secret like, no. goth strength. Wes is only, well, I mean, it's definitely Amber who kills Dewey. And so she does just fucking lift that grown ass man up by like a fucking shish kebab yeah. knives. She can do um, anything. That's true. Yeah. So Richie's revealed to be the killer. Him and Amber, they gather uh, Gail, Sydney, and Sam in the kitchen to reveal their master plan to create the basis for a whole brand new stab reboot movie with Sam as the villain. It's fucking insane and just really really fun but Tara's still free running around making phone calls and freaking people out so our protagonists are able to fight back fucking one of the greatest moments in film history Gail to get glorious revenge for Dewey shoots Amber so hard that Amber turns on the stove and is also set on fire and then <laughs> Richie just gets stabbed by like a million times because we get the new rule of if you're a ghost face don't let sam have a knife or you're gonna have a bad time sam um, only knows one kind of kill and it is overkill yes but it's also and there I is something it. to be said about the the presence of someone who's been through it as sydney's been through it and 
being a character with actual survival instincts, when you face off, you know, one is definitely more real. I feel like there's a bit of that going on with Sam where she's like, you know, I've, I've had to deal with this legacy. There's this part of me that is kind of chaotic. And I attribute that with my secret dad, who's also a ghost and a serial killer. And, you know, whatever that is in her, and I haven't seen Scream 6, so I don't know how that, that pans out. But like whatever that is in her is definitely more real to her because she struggles with it rather than being an ideal character that the people who are playing Ghostface in this movie are, if that makes sense. But I think that the actual meaning of it and the meaning of it that I choose to take from this is that being a character, being like um, a killer to be a character and to be narcissistic or whatever is not going to ever be more interesting or legitimate or powerful than being a survivor. And I think that was also mirrored in the movie with Sydney, with with the original Scream, because she survived and Billy and Stu were all just obsessed with this image of being movie villains. You know, a lot of the Scream movies kind of have that going on in in various levels of it, of intelligent ways. In this case, also, like the direct reference to fandom was interesting. I don't know if I felt like it was really like that deep. But, you know, again, I don't give a fuck. It's a screen movie. Anyway, I've I've interrupted the recap again. What? So <laughs> the killers have been revealed. The, and they're dead now. And they they're now dead. Burnt and stabbed. And then Tara got their customary. Oh, no, Amber's back to life. But it's OK. She got shot in the head. And everyone has a big moment of like they chill at ambulances and, and Chad and Mindy are alive. And Sam and Tara are sisters who love each other. And thus is the next generation of Scream protagonists forged in knife and fire and blood. The end. And as I said, we get a nice long goodbye, Gail. Goodbye, Sydney moment at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. Except actually only goodbye, Sydney. Fucking MCU style, like Gail Weathers will return. And I (laughs) swear to God, when I went to see Scream 6 in theaters, Gail Weathers just appearing on screen for the first time got the biggest applause I've ever seen in a theater, aside oh. from Captain America picking up Mjolnir in Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's Cap wielding Mjolnir and just Gail Weathers fucking being mother in Scream 6. And Kirby coming back. That also got applause. Those two moments. It got applause. It got applause. Yeah. Gail Weathers coming back fucking shook the theater. <laughs> it's it's interesting because like in this movie, the reveal of Sydney and Gail were both very like, I can see that being a, a pause moments. Um, but Dewey's reveal in this movie was just as sad as it was intended to be. It was just like yeah. slow zoom trailer, tears for fears, mad world. Yeah. Doesn't actually play, but it's there in your mind. If we never see Sydney again, which if we don't, I'm going to be pissed because I want a third movie in this new trilogy and I want her to team up with uh, Kirby and Sam. But if this is the last time we ever see Sydney, like, you know, I, one of her last lines is like, I'll survive. I always do. I'm like, yeah, we're leaving her in such a good place that part of me, you know, I want her to keep that happy ending. But I do just want to see her come back and kick ass one more time in like a prominent yeah, like, role. It, it doesn't. 
feel quite grand enough to be the final ultimate send off to Sydney. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Like as much as the franchise does not need that character to continue to thrive, like it'd be a shame. It'd be a shame to truly never see Nev Campbell back in a screen movie. Right. I think you demerit it at this point. I think you'd have to like bring back Stu. You'd have to give her somebody that's worthy of her killing them at this point. Because like yeah, she's proven she's proven to be immortal at this point. So yeah. anybody else <laughs> killing her short of actual Stu Mocker, like is not going to it's not gonna be a threat. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I could get into that. But I'll save I'll save that for next time. I have a lot of feelings about Stu. So um, this movie, I mean, I feel like when it comes to talking about issues and stuff, the big thing here is got to be uh, phantoms. I mean, and and God knows we're seeing it more and more. I mean, the harassment campaigns we saw in the wake of Last Jedi, uh, that, you know, that's driven actresses, especially, you know, people of color, especially actresses of color, um, how phantoms have led harassment campaigns and driven them off social media. I mean, the Snyder cut fandom. Do oh, I God. To, do I fucking need to say anything else? I think that was, again, for next time. But I think Six kind of comments on that a little bit, too, as you're saying, Ben, with especially actresses of color. And I just wanted to bring up that, like, Melissa Barrera was given such slander on Twitter and online after this movie. Really? roasting her saying how horrible she was you know comparing her to sydney and you know but she got a lot a lot of hate and my defense of her is that her role in this movie was purposefully muted because you know we see her taking those drugs to like suppress herself and so she is you know she's kind of a blank slate to a degree to me and there's also just so much on her character that she's juggling but by the end i think we really see her come into her own Mm-hmm. I mean, and she's really character. Like, I feel like, and again, so much of it is like this is again. Sam is definitely another character who really will come into her own in the next movie. Is really yeah. when like the performance comes alive. But also, it's like fuck you. We've seen like like the new these people. Not fuck you, TJ. Like fuck you, the people complaining. Like <laughs> we've seen it in so many films. It's like really you're you're upset that your franchise that used to be entirely led by straight white leads is now in the hands of like a pair of hispanic sisters a pair of like biracial twins one of whom is openly gay like oh gee i'm so surprised the internet's being pissy about that right yeah there's not a not a new white surviving character to be found no wes got fucking knife stabbed yeah yeah i will say i i have mixed feelings about melissa barrera in this i have mixed feelings about her in general just because i've seen in the heights but yeah and that's I, fair. Like after this movie, I was not. I was like, you know what? If they kill Sam in six, I'm not going to be sad about it. After six, though, I think I think that'll really change your mind. Yeah, I, I think part of it, part of the problem for her in this film is that like they give her the longest info drop in the middle of that hospital scene, yes. where she just has to like carry the drama for like five minutes of laying out this like. This is the history of our family. And you know how our dad left? Well, it was because I found out this thing. And like, here's how I found it out. And here's, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, we could have. She didn't need all that information at that very moment. We could have broken that up <laughs> over a few scenes or yeah, we could have just yeah. left some of that out. 
And but I feel like, like she has like three characters worth of baggage. <laughs> like, yeah, she does yeah. so much and, going on. And part of the problem with that scene, I was realizing as I was watching it, and then later in the movie, is if I have a problem with this movie, it's that it's overscored. Like, mm-hmm. there is a lot of background sad music in this movie in places that you don't need to have background music. Like, that's a very like soap opera scene that's scored very soap opera. And then, like, yeah. There's a lot of stuff with Gail and Sydney later that just has like strings under it that don't need to be there. You know, I, I think I th- this is the first one with a different composer, I think. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for silence in horror movies sometimes. And this movie does not allow that to happen. Yeah, the the I think that definitely that definitely contributed to the whiplash that I was feeling because it was. The, the these drama scenes were so dramatic and yeah that that exposition scene in the hospital there was strain there was strain on everybody and yeah, you know <laughs> interestingly it's sort of the opposite of like the trend in hollywood because scream i think is well known for its needle drops like it just has yeah. a lot of pop song needle drops in in every every iteration and this one is like not too many needle drops and a lot of like scoring that I don't know, kind of it kind of feels out of place. It kind of feels like if if Friday the Thirteenth were to try to score a whole bunch of their stuff, you'd be like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just bring back the just bring back the horror music. No, yeah. I, I totally see that. Like when I think of this movie, the only song I think of is Red Right Hand. <laughs> like I can't <laughs> name any other song that plays. Where Scream Six. I'm sorry to keep referencing the newest one, but like there's like at least four songs that are like in my playlist. Like, so I feel like maybe this was something they noticed and tried to course correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we just watched, we just watched and talked about Bodies, 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 and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is chock full of needle drops. And it's all like queer pop and hip hop of like the last five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think would be cool if they updated the soundtrack to be like for the Scream soundtrack to be as iconic. Like iconic songs from the current generation, as opposed to like '90s songs. Yeah, what's what's the um, Gen Z equivalent of Bush? We're, I have no right. fucking clue. <laughs> I like I like being on you know Machine Gun Kelly. No, uh, I mean Bush had the song named Machine Head, but that's as bad as close as they get. That song rules, by the way. I don't care what anybody says about Bush. It was. Listen, that fucking the guitar that that's fucking cool. I don't care. Bush was definitely like the McDonald's Pearl Jam, but <laughs> listen, my uh, my high school girlfriend was obsessed with Bush. So oh, sure. you ever want to hear me see? I'm coming back down this cloud. It's, it's oh, I forgot they here. did that one. Let uh, me ask you all a question. Wasn't that the song that they played in the co- like every commercial for Titan AE? No, that was no. like, can I get you higher? Yeah, that's Creed. I think, yeah, that was Creed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Creed is definitely like the even more fast food version of Bush. And they're also Christian. So they're like the Chick-fil-A of Bush. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't remember if I've asked you guys this before, I'm sorry, Creed. but I'm thinking about like, yeah, what character would you save apologize. if you could save anyone in the Scream franchise? Like, obviously, Parker Dewey. Posey. 
Okay. Obviously, besides Parker, Dewey, Parker who would you Posey. Pick? Yes. Parker Posey. Okay. okay, okay. Absolutely, Parker Posey. Not. Don't even have to think about that for a millisecond. This. These are characters that have died. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sue. If not Parker Posey, mm. Liev Schreiber. I have a branch, and I, I'm so sorry, but like Parker Brandon Posey, yeah. Lillard. I mean, I have a lot of brands. Let's be real. But yeah, Parker Posey. In terms of people that. I want to know that they unambiguously survived. You know, I want to know unambiguously that Parker Posey's character survived. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm just gonna, yeah. Ben, you have the good idea. I'm gonna steal it. Go for it. I will. I would probably go with, with Stu. I would like, uh, I feel like Stu has the most story potential. I feel like Dewey died at exactly the right time in the story. Like, yeah, uh, agreed. It's for the same reason that, it hurts Emily. It's like maximum amount of tragedy for Dewey, which like that's sort of Dewey's role in this entire thing is to be like the guy who is the goofball character who is actually the real tragic hero of the franchise. It hurts so much because it's executed so well. Yeah. And it was so respectful. And the distance yeah. between the way the the movie treats him in, say, two, where he has that comedic limp to like five, where he's just like, I've been stabbed nine. <laughs> I'm still gonna come help you guys. Like, yeah, and the also theme said music comes back. The, yeah, that the Western theme music comes back. I was, yeah, I clapped. Also, clapped when the Western theme music came in. Also, <laughs> showing just how much like what people can survive in this franchise changes. Like, fucking Chad gets stabbed nine times for breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. Chad, yeah. Chad, Chad just fucking walk nine stab. Chad, fuck, Chad will fucking walk off nine stabbings. <laughs> my my biceps are called Billy and Sue. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick someone to save, I would have picked Kirby <laughs> like three Fair, years ago. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character obviously loves Sarah Michelle Gellar up there. But after five, I would pick Wes, even though he has to die so that we can get the four Wes scene like he was just so precious and the fact that he died like setting the table it was so sad to me well and, yeah, the, and, the, and the fact I, that his mom like, bites it i thought he might make it and then he didn't it'd be fun to bring back uh billy's mom as now it's like yeah he's like grandma also a serial killer billy's mm -hmm. mom yeah that is a rough legacy yeah um, i i mean i also have a very very personal connection with Sam having like this sort of aspect of my personality to be a super hot guy that is crazy. You don't have to keep that in the show if you don't, if we don't want to like get too personal. But I just sometimes in the mirror, I see Skeet Ulrich and he says, you don't have to put up with this shit. Does, does he also urge you to murder people? Not so much. Not so much. But yeah, on a personal level, yeah. It's more like Skeetork being like, you should take care of yourself. And to you, I know that is about as narcissistic as you can get, maybe. Or you feel like that is the equivalent. This is getting really weird. That is the power through of narcissism. Just power through. Okay. Yeah. So basically, like him telling me that I need to take care of myself is an equivalent in terms of like extreme self centeredness that, like, to me, it feels like I'm a serial killer if I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to pay for dinner. I don't know. <laughs> you gave up. 
You could cut this all out, Alicia. It didn't really happen. It was going to be a funny bit in my head, but I'm just really tired. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming to my talk about my weird Skeetoric mirror. I mean, it's it's a blonde chaos twink, and he wants me to be crazy, and I am him. We are the same. On that note, we probably should start landing this plane. Uh, (laughs) Every person has two blonde chaos uh, twinks inside them, and... Set your seats to the upright position and fold up your tray tables. Uh, is this movie feminist? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, think, I mean, yeah. again, we got Tara. We got Mindy. We got like, Sam. We got fucking Amber. Liv is also there, I guess. Fucking <laughs> Liv really has, is... Liv has never has the character more perfectly captured the vibe of somebody who's not really part of the group, but her boyfriend is. Like, yeah. yeah. As great great call this is and you got hicks gail you got judy hicks gail and cindy returning oh this oh, is oh, judy hicks. wall-to-wall i don't really like horror movies i prefer animated films and musicals Incredible yes moment. yeah so good she was a good mom like, they didn't deserve was, that this was i mean she also was a sheriff wonderful yeah she was a bitch like <laughs> women characters from hero to villain to innocent, to hardened, from a wide variety of backgrounds and sexual orientations. My favorite meme from this movie, which I don't know how how popular it is, but a lot of people deep in the Scream fandom post this split-second screenshot right before Liv gets shot in the head, and it's like this look of blank nothingness on her face, and people just edit it with all sorts of random... I, That's pretty good. Stuff. So while Richie, while it's kind of impossible to look away from Richie once he gets the ghost face reveal and he is so much fun, I do want to give a big shout out for Amber's little sound while she mimes the stabbing. Oh, yeah. She's that Amber, was such a wonderful little moment. Like Richie, like he steals, he like tries really hard to steal the show, but he will not overcome that moment where she just pulls up the gun and shoot. Like that... Mm-hmm. That yeah. was so wild and out of left field for a screen movie. And I was, I actually exclaimed. I made it, I made a noise. I was like, holy shit. Richie's best moment might be his death, where he says, What about my ending? And I was like, Yeah, it's coming, motherfucker. And she yeah. Said, yeah, here it comes. And they did it. I was like, Oh, damn. They did. Yeah. I like that it wasn't a clean slash, too. Like, it was a fucking, like, rough throat slash. And And he was like, no, this is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's right. No one gives a shit. Amber has a lot of good moments. She's killing it. But, like, her switch of where she's, like, talking and she's trying to get sympathy. And she's like, yeah, he died like a pussy. Yeah. I love the delivery. I was radicalized. Coming in with the steel chair. Yeah, yes. Tara, Tara was good. This movie also, like, it definitely had some moments that were like, hello, fellow kids, but it was definitely the least hello, fellow kids movie since the first Scream. There was a genuineness of where it wasn't trying so hard to be progressive, like, you know, wear that, that progressive heart on its sleeve the way that these meta Scream movies would very easily be, right? Yeah, where and, the, the gay characters are allowed to be real people rather than stereotypes in either direction. Because I yeah. feel like there's definitely Mindy, Mindy's the a champion. Mindy, Mindy is my yes. idol. 
the only reason I don't like it is I'm like, oh, the one black man who lived through a screen movie. Of course, he's the father of yeah. the black character. There's only one one black character that lived through a screen movie. I would say I would say that if the part of the whole deal wasn't every character we're introducing is related to previous characters. That's a good That's point. True. That's true. Everybody's related to somebody, and they have to tell us yeah. no matter what. And I just want Joel to come back, so I don't care how. Oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Which one was Joel? Uh, He's the cameraman. Oh, that's yeah. Joel. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Mindy is everything I aspire to be. I mean, again, even we even get some good, not toxic masculinity in Chad. I think this might be the only yeah. stream that really uh, deals with race well. You know, too, yeah, too, too, too much tried. Him, but they do also kill her one black friend in just the quickest, dumbest, like, yeah. murder, standing around, getting stabbed. Um, also, this movie has a true. slightly more understanding of technology than the rest of the screen movies, which is, you know, I mean, we're not talking about a lot of very high standards here. Yeah, I think that's probably new writers and new directors. Yeah, because Wes Craven was great. Technology in movies was not really his forte. Maybe if you watched Scream Queens, the TV show. I, I did didn't. Not. I feel like we, we've got to cover it. Like, yes. cover the pilot at some point. And please have me talk about the clip. I would love that. Is that your recommendation? Let's do you think that happened? Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I'll bring that back at the end. Yeah. The only thing this really doesn't of our groups of, of topics that this really doesn't deal with at all is class, because everybody in Woodsboro, with the exception of Dewey, I guess, is the same class. And yeah, and Dewey is only not that class because he's unemployed. I guess living in a trailer by himself and with his yeah. guns. I yeah. got the vibe. Stu's nephew was like lower class but maybe he was just a douche i think I mean, not that, obviously not that if you're lower class you're a douche but there was just something like I don't know. yeah i feel like he's he probably was the same class as everyone but he spent a lot of money on the car and right met, he and did then it to himself it. yeah he spent too much time being dirtbag coded yeah exactly. <laughs> and like of course real life things are more complicated but i don't think that was a class no. commentary so, yeah. All that said, I guess uh, we recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Hundo Perseno. Yeah, I definitely think it benefits from seeing the original Scream. I also think that you don't need to see any of the sequels before this one. I, yeah. Honestly, like you can talk about the stab movies and all that kind of shit. But a lot of this movie is just referencing the first Scream movie. And I condone that decision. Yeah, no, I think they were well aware that people stopped watching after two for the most part. But they then if you literally four, say it, you get Judy. So like, it's not that it's completely unrelated from the last one, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that leads to uh, what uh, what do we want to recommend for people if they enjoy this or just in general? TJ, what's your recommendation? <laughs> yeah, might have given it away. But um, Scream Queens, the TV show. I loved that when it was on the air. It came out right after I got into the screen movies. So like it really filled that void of what I was looking for. And like the Scream TV show was out at the same time. And it was like, no, Scream Queens is kind of more Scream than the Scream TV show. And it's just very funny and meta and uses technology well. Highly recommended. And then I might have mentioned this one before too, but um Curse of Chucky, which is I thought of it because Emily was mentioning. Tara with her crutches at the end and 
you know, being a badass and Curse of Chucky is all about a girl in a wheelchair who is fighting off Chucky and it's wow, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Nice, awesome. nice. Yeah, you get uh, Ben, what do you got? I know I've recommended it before, but fuck it. I recommend Yellow Jackets. Jasmine Civil Boy Brown is also in it. A bunch of characters are textually gay and the rest of them are metatextually gay. <laughs> I was going to recommend so, that, although I've recommended it like the last three podcasts, but it's so good. It's so good. I mean, if you're very if, good, if, if you like the screen movies, if you like the 90s stuff, if you're like me and you just want to feel the ancient, um, if you want, yeah, something slightly different, I recommend Secession. That has nothing to do with this, but it's incredible. And as of recording, it just ended a few days ago, and I can't stop thinking about it. I need to binge watch. It's so good. I haven't seen any of it. Me neither. Neither have I. Yellow, you mentioned Yellow Jackets. Like the second to last episode, there was a scene that was very Final Girl esque and like a chase. And I was like, oh, very, very horror Final Girl vibe. I loved it. In Yellow Jackets in the season two? Yeah, yes. with the necklace. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, yeah. still on my list. Yellow jackets. Okay, yeah, they just so finished bad. season two. Gotta get to it. It's kind of overlapping with Scream in my mind now because I just watched it last night, and that's another thing is that it does have like back to back needle drop. Oh yeah, they show they fucking love their needle drops and yellow. Oh my jackets. god, and they haven't they haven't needle dropped Trent Reznor yet. And coming soon to Progressively Horrified, Trent Watch, my new segment. They've done the Smashing Pumpkins. They've done Tori Amos. They've done Alanis Morissette. They've done like all of them. I'm like, I'm just waiting. I know you guys are saving it. Emily, don't pretend Trent Watch is a new segment. It's (laughs) it's now named. And Alicia, if you want to like give it a little stinger or something like that. that... (laughs) What is this segment again? Trent Watch. It's my Trent Reznor watch. Gotcha. What's your um, recommendation, Emily? My recommendation is go and listen to the original Scream soundtrack. Oh, buy the vinyl. I bought the one. If it's you like have a, red and beautiful. If you have a if you have a record player, buy the vinyl. Or just buy the vinyl and put it on your wall and then get like, you know, download the thing. I don't think they make CDs anymore. Ready? It's a collector set. It has a vinyl for each of the four movies. That's beautiful. dope. Yeah. Nice. Buying and a vinyl also, is a very scream way to celebrate the... Yes. <laughs> Just saying. Also, donate to organizations that help relocate people who are being targeted by... Ghostface. Or both Ghostface, but also like anti-trans and yeah. anti-abortion legislation. Yeah. Like, and I was like, where are you going with this? I just... I, I was like, oh, you're being serious. Okay. I am actually being serious. <laughs> you know, I've said a lot of crazy shit this episode. And much like the Scream movie that we just watched, I think there are times that it's good to be serious. Yeah. And, you know, sorry for the whiplash, but, you know, that's life. You get a score in behind you. and Yeah, I'll get a the sound. One day you have a Scream 3 and the next day you're at Scream 5. Yeah. For me, this is far from related, but... I actually got a chance to uh, go out and watch a movie in the middle of the day in the theater. And maybe it's a good thing that it was the middle of the day because it was Evil Dead Rise. And um, as much as I hate the Evil Dead remake, I really enjoyed Evil Dead Rise. It is brutal and violent and bloody. And if there's any part of you that is like, I don't want to see visceral horrible violence on my screen don't go 
just don't do it. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. really rough. But like, it also has an appreciation for the like over the topness of the original that I don't feel like the first remake does. I feel like my problems with the first remake are best explained as the fact that the one scene that they decided to bring over wholesale was the lead female character getting raped by a tree. Oh no. I am. Like, that's the one thing they bring back. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> they do. And they make right. it more. Uh, so like, that was, I think, the moment that I checked out of, of that film. It, it feels like everything in that film is moved towards rape and humiliation of women as like a horror thing in a way that I'm not comfortable with. Now, Evil Dead Rise is like traumatizing. If you like are not okay with kids in danger, if you're not okay with like extreme levels of violence, don't do it. If the idea of uh, somebody being attacked by having a cheese grater dragged down their leg does anything for you, that's your film. It, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it in a way that I was like unsure about for a while. And it turns a corner at some point where like the level of violence just gets ratcheted up past torture porn stuff to like, oh, this person is eating glass and you can see the pieces of glass like sticking out of Ugh. their throat as they're doing it. That like it's hard to watch. Yeah. And I think it's you got to have a certain like switch in your head that just goes, oh, this is ridiculous and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I was at those sorts of parts. I was definitely squinting. Because I yeah. didn't want to look, but I also couldn't look away. And there's stuff like towards the finale of this movie that like I was just cackling in the movie theater. Like horrible stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. But like the finale is so big and gory and over the top. And it feels like it gets what Evil Dead is doing without necessarily having the like Bruce Campbell level of slapstick, which... I'm fine with. I know like that doesn't hit with the same audience that is going to theaters to see movies, really. So like I, I would recommend Evil Dead Rise with a giant asterisk that's like beware. Know, know yourself. <laughs> know thyself. Yeah. Well you know what you can I'm do. a I'm an Evil Dead remake defender, but hearing what you just had to say though, I'm like, I feel like I need to rewatch it now. <laughs> yeah. I loved it when I was a teen and it was like the first one I saw. So it has a a special place for me. I don't when know. When did the remake come out? Like I, 2013, I think. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how much of my distaste for it has to do with my general distaste for Fede Alvarez as a director. Mm. Because that's well established on this podcast. Yeah. I dislike Don't Breathe with a fiery intensity. But like the fact that they uh, do sort of replay... The thing that Sam Raimi was like, hey, let me take this out of my second film and then come back around to like do a really slow, really close in shot of one of the girls who's being possessed, like pissing herself. I was just like, why is this yeah. here? Oh, yeah. Like, no, I'm like, it's yeah, that's where you pee, pee perverts out. I was so, like, yeah, they're really like, yeah, she's been controlled by a demon. So she's pissing herself now. And I was like, the level of just like humiliating female characters and, and sexual and sexual related violence in that movie is just not for me. But no, I can see that. Evil Dead Rise. But Mia, I love Mia though at the end. That's yeah. like the best part to me. I think she's a wonderful actress who has the misfortune to be in two movies by the same director that I really dislike. All right. And that said, yeah. go see Evil Dead Rise or don't. 
You already know the answer to that. Wrapping it up here, TJ, where can people find you online and find out more about what you do? You can find me generally on Twitter or anywhere else under the username TroyFin2. You'll find me talking about books and queer things. I have pretty often queer books. So if you need a book recommendation, hit me up. I really like Dog Night and L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend. Those are two you can check out. I heard those are really good. I heard they were good. Actually, I've read one and I'm reading the other. So I have really, really enjoyed both. So yeah, hit me up if you need a recommendation beyond that, but start with those. And then I also do podcasting. You can find me on all sorts of shows, guesting, and then also co-hosting Gotham Outsiders, where Chris and I talk about Batman things and DC things and just make them gayer. Awesome. Nice. As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben McCon and on their website at BenConComics.com, where you can pick up all their books and pre-order L. Campbell Windsor Weekend, their debut middle grade novels from Scholastic. I've just been told by an excellent librarian that it's good. Finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 and on my website at JeremyWhitley.com. You can check out everything I write, including the just-released The Dog Night that I wrote and Bree Indigo illustrated. It's great, I think, but other people say so, too. Amazon recommended it to me. Hey. Yeah. Cool. I'm sure you've never searched Princess on Amazon before. So oh, yeah. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified and our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod, where we'd love to hear from you. And speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you rate and review this podcast. Five stars helps new listeners find the show. Thanks again to TJ for joining us. And thank you to all of you for joining us. And until next time, stay horrified. <laughs>